I'm going to be teaching this week and next week on this topic called distractions. Um, I was seeking God about two different topics, and this is the one that I, I kind of zeroed in on. Um, I believe Holy Spirit had me just go here, probably because of the season that we're in. This season of, um, you know, it's really sad. It's really sad that a season that is designed all about being thankful and rejoicing in the Messiah coming 2017 years ago. Rejoicing in, in the Christmas gift, the Christmas holiday. And yet it has become so materialized and so huge that the work that comes along with the holiday, if we, if we delve in, do everything that the world does, it's huge. It's huge. And I am one that does pretty much a, a lot of that. Thank you, Jesus, that I have more time than I used to have. And I love, the, I love it. I enjoy it. But it can be a very, very busy, stressful time, full of distractions, packed in with all sorts of stuff. So what I want to share first is how this teaching came to be. This happened um, a while ago because I actually taught this in May at, um, in Rochester. So it was before then that I had this dream. But it's a dream that many of us have had, a common dream, where something is going on in your dream that is chaotic. And in your sleep, in your dream, you're going through a, a really uh, confusion, uh, multi-issue kind of thing, and everything seems to be going wrong. And then you wake up, and your heart is pounding, and you're thinking, whoa, I'm glad that was a dream. We've probably all had those kind of dreams, right? But the dream I had took that to a whole different level. And I believe that it was a message from God for me to share with you guys and for me as well. So this is my dream. It had four parts. In the first part of my dream, I was back in my old job as learning consultant. Um, and I retired four years ago. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but when I was a learning consultant, my job was really multifaceted. So I was an interventionist. I had a caseload of about 100 kids that I saw almost every day for 30 minutes at a time in small groups to help with intervention, with reading and math intervention. That was one part of my job. Another part of my job as a consultant was to be that, that, um, that person that was there to support the teachers and whatever that might be, bringing in new curriculum or um, working on oh, all sorts of stuff, data analysis and goals and that kind of stuff. I was also the children's advocate. So the children that came through my program because of having um, extra, they needed extra help, I was their advocate. I was the general ad ed advocate, not the special ed advocate. I was the person that helped the children in general education to um, have their needs met. So we had what was called child study for very many children. Sorry. And um, that was a big part of my job. So there was a lot of teacher meetings and a lot of keeping track of goals and progress and that kind of stuff. That was a big part of my job. I was also kind of an uh, administrative position. So I did a lot of stuff from the district to the school and from the school to the district and a lot of, lot of stuff. So this job was big and it was multifaceted. And oh my goodness, I was really, really, really ready to walk away from that so I could pour my whole heart into this ministry. So that was the first part of my dream. I dreamt I was back there doing all that. And the busyness and the, the, the um, responsibility was really heavy. 
That was the first part of my dream. The second part of my dream, at the same time that I was back at work, my family from Nevada was visiting, Chad and Kay and my grandbabies. And for those of you who know me as a grandma, you know that when I'm with those babies, I am 100% grandma, 24-7. I don't get to be with them frequently. So when I am with them, it's I'm all in. I mean, my whole focus is being a grandma because I'm usually with them for like a week at a time. But they came, in my dream, they came to visit while I was doing this learning consultant job. So I had all of that. The third part of my dream was that, and this was only a dream, thank you, Jesus, but the third part of my dream is that there was strife in my home. There was anger, there were harsh words, there was um, uh, frustration. And again, those of you who have been in my home and know Kent and I and my family, we don't have strife in my home. That is rare that there is strife. It's not the norm. And in my dream, there was this strife. And then the fourth part of my dream, it had four parts. The fourth part of my dream had to do with the political situation in our country. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the um, conservatives and the liberals and the Republicans and the Democrats and this faction. And, and in my dream, it wasn't just... Um, me with my, Kent and I, with our strong convictions that may or may not be like others. It was the, the um, strife between the groups. So we were debating we, in my dream. We were having all of these heated arguments and heated discussions with, with people. So I had these four things in this dream and it was all like melded together and I woke up and it was, it was, it was one of those things that, you know, you woke up and you're really glad it was a dream. But I got up and I wrote, it, I wrote down those four pieces of the dream. The, the extreme busyness and responsibility of the job. The extreme um, um, time and love invested in my family. The, the strife and the political setting of our nation right now. All of that was in the dream. And when I woke up, I knew that God was speaking to me that this isn't unusual for people to be living in that kind of a situation every day in every part of their lives and that's when I, I went to God and I said what do you want me to do with this and that's where these messages came from there's two parts tonight I'm going to share about confusion and strife next week I'm going to share about busyness and stress but what we're going to look at, I believe, is how the enemy, this is, the enemy is not, a, 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 he doesn't have new tricks up his sleeves. He always uses the same old tricks. And I, my heart is that th this deception, this confusion, this, this area of the enemy where it's a bait, it's a bait of the enemy, will be exposed. And I am not just going to show you the enemy's yuck. I'm going to show you God's word and God's truth and his plan. To walk in peace, not confusion, but peace, and how to do that according to God's word. So, like I said, we're going to look at those two pieces today, confusion and then strife. So the first thing I'd like to go to is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33. It should be on your handout. The scripture says, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. So right there, we have the, the job description of God, 
and what is not of God. It says God is not the author of confusion. He is not. Therefore, that probably is in the category of the enemy. The enemy is the author of confusion. If there is, and I'm going to go into some detail about what this looks like, but if there is an area of your life right now where you're feeling confused, you're feeling confusion, know that that's a sign that it's very possible the enemy's trying to distract you from the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to get you off track. And we're going to look at that and what God has planned. He says, God is not the, this scripture says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. God is the author of peace. And again, we're going to go to scripture to show you that. First, though, I want to define confusion. Confusion is a mixture of several things without order. You can have several things going on with order, and there's not confusion. But if they're all without order, like my dream, like this thing, especially about the, 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 uh, my old career, had a lot of confusion in it. It also means tumult, which is commotion or disturbance or agitation. God is not the author of confusion, but the enemy is. Um, think about um, the way that the enemy has been um, shown in, in some scriptures, several scriptures actually, and he's, he's, um, he's seen as a serpent, as a cunning serpent. And as I was preparing this, I was thinking about um, uh, the poisonous serpent, the venomous serpent. If in real life you are bitten or attacked by a venomous snake, the first thing that they, they do medically is give you an antidote. So God gives us an antidote right here for the venom of confusion. And his antidote is peace. His antidote is trust. Let's look at, first of all, trust. Psalm 71.1 says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never let me be put to confusion. Trust in God. Put your eyes on Jesus, the author of peace, and we will not be put to confusion. Proverbs 3.5. We're just going to settle here in the scripture for a minute. Proverbs 3.5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The antidote for confusion is trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In the in this scripture, the word trust in the Amplified, it says, Trust in, lean on, or rely on the Lord. Lean on, trust in, and rely on the Lord with all your heart. When you lean on something, it supports you. God says, lean on him. Let him be your, your secure foundation. Lean on him. Lean on the Lord with all your heart. But then the second part of the scripture says, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't let your own intellect, your own mind, your own reasoning, 
your own control, your own to-do list. Be what you lean on. You see, God knows our heart is so much bigger than our puny little brain. If we... I'm, I'm going to read this from my paper because I want to say this the way that I, I prepared it. When you connect what you connect to from your heart, we talked a minute ago about renewing your mind, renewing yourself, allowing the word to make you new, to transform you. When that happens, it's heart level. It's deep within you. It's deep within you. And what you're connected to from your heart is so much bigger than what you can connect to in your intellect in your own thinking, in your own processing. If you put your mind first, if you do the second half of the scripture, if you lean on your own understanding, you're reducing God to your level. And he's so much bigger. If you lean on your own understanding for support, if you're leaning on your research and your to-do list and your control for support, then you're... You're reducing God to your size when he's so much bigger instead of leaning on him. This scripture literally means to not let your understanding be the part that supports you. Don't let your reasoning or your understanding be your anchor or your security. We need to remain dependent on God and his word instead of being independent on your own ability. And this is one of my favorite things to do, and I do it a lot. Give up your right to understand. It says lean not on your own understanding. Give up your right to understand. Sherry, when we were talking at the beginning of class, that's what we were talking about. It doesn't even make sense sometimes how you see God unfolding his amazing perfect will in front of you. And you don't understand it, but you don't have to understand it. It, or it might be the opposite. It might be you haven't yet seen what you're desiring to see or what God's word says. But God says, don't try to figure it out. Give up your right to understand and keep trusting in the Lord, leaning on him for support. Trust is the antidote, one of the antidotes for confusion. So what I would like to do now is I would like to look at confusion in two areas. The first area that I want to talk about is confusion in the natural realm, in the everyday living. So for example, if you are in the middle of a journey of healing, that's what I like to call it, you're fighting something in your body, um, whatever that might be, and you're here at a healing class, believing God's word is the final word, but maybe you haven't yet seen the result. So in the midst of that, all sorts of stuff goes on in your life, in your everyday life. You may have doctor's appointments, tests, more doctor's appointments, more tests. You may choose to go to um, a different set of doctors for a second, of opi for a second opinion. So now you have multiple um, information coming at you in the medical realm. You may also be seeking um, support in the natural or the naturopathic or the alternative medicine route. So you have um, perhaps diets or supplements or um, other other things that you're doing to take care of yourself, to take care of your body, maybe exercise, special diets, that kind of thing. You, we also have, in the midst of this journey, we have people, 
lot of people, a lot of people who care about us. And those people who care about us very often bring lots of information to us. Some of that's really good, and some of it can be really confusing because there's so much coming. How many of you have lived through that? It can be confusing. There's so much going on. There's so much going on from so many avenues, and it can really lead to confusion. Listen to this. This is Colossians 3.15. This is God giving us direction on what to do when all of those things are, are in our lives and there's confusion. Before I read this, you may, this is how I recognize that thing that I'm calling confusion. There is something inside of me that is, um, it, it's not good. It doesn't feel good. It is a feeling of uh, worry, a feeling of a lot of stuff just going around and around. I'm, I'm pointing here because that's where I feel it. I usually feel it in my gut. Uh, it might be something in your brain where your brain can't shut up and it just goes around and around and around. There may be fearful thoughts. There may be all of this stuff because of all of the decisions to make and everything that's going on and maybe not even knowing which direction to go. There's a, a sense of, um, uh, conf of confusion, of not knowing, and it doesn't feel good. It's a dark feeling. Now, this is what God says. This is Colossians 3.15. God says, Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace, indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers, and be thankful to God always. So God's word says, Let the peace of God Direct your path. Let the peace of God be the controlling factor in your heart. Let the peace of God enable you, help you to decide and settle questions that arise. But notice, that peace comes from walking daily with him. The first line says, let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with him, be the controlling factor. What I would like to share with you right now is a testimony of this healing peace, of this directing peace that literally helped lead me through my initial journey of healing. This is a long time ago. Thank you, Jesus. I have been healed more than 15 years. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But in the midst of that, I went through this confusing kind of state. And one of the things that I wanted to share is that I had so many people bringing information to me and bringing suggestions to me. And looking back in hindsight, I believe that God enabled me with this gift, this peace of Christ. He enabled me to do two things. The first thing was when, when people shared things with me that made that confusion rise up in my heart, he let me, he showed me how to let it go in this year and out this year and not stay in my heart. And I didn't. I had so many people give me so much information and literally that's exactly what I did. I let it go in this year and if it was, uh, if, it didn't, if I had a sense of unrest in my heart, I let it go as fast as I let it come in. It came in and it went out. I still do that. If there are things that I know that are disturbing or could be confusing 
or upsetting. If I know that, that it's not my God, if I have that check, I let it go in this ear and out that ear, and it doesn't take residence in my heart. I guard my heart. So that's the first thing that I recognize in hindsight that I, was, I did during that season. The second thing is when I did have peace, when people shared with me and I had peace with it, I took their suggestions. There were three people. I had so many people. I can't begin to know how many. Dozens and dozens of people bring me suggestions and doctors and, you know, do this or try that or this is what I heard or that's what some, so-and-so did. I had so many people I don't even, because I didn't keep it in here, I don't know. But there were three that I had peace with. One was um, my sister. My sister shared something with me and I had peace with it. So I chose to do that alternative piece of medicine. The second one was my mother-in-law read this article in a newspaper. And for whatever reason, I had peace with it. And I chose to take that supplement. The third one was um, my son's, at that time it was his girlfriend. It's not Kay, it's a different girl. This is 15 years ago. Um, his girlfriend had a friend of the family who had stage four melanoma and was completely healed. And he shared with me um, a, some dietary changes. And I chose to do it. All three of the things were very simple. But this is how I know that the God of peace was the controlling factor. And that the God of peace helped me to decide and settle questions about what to do or what not to do. The, way, the reason I know that is because after I was healed, I was completely declared free of cancer and healed. After that, I managed to find an alternative med doctor. 16 years ago, they were really hard to find. And I tried, but I couldn't find one. I finally found an alternative med doctor that specialized in cancer. I made that, I kept the appointment. I made it, it took months to get in. And when I was already healed, I went to that doctor. And he asked me to bring everything that I was doing, dietary supplements and all that. So I did. I took it to him. I had a sheet of paper, and there wasn't a lot. There were three or four things. I took this sheet of paper, gave it to him, and he looked at it. He read it, and he said, who put this protocol together for you? And I said, well, I did. I said I had a few people that I really trusted, and, and it felt right, and so this is, what I, this is what I've done. And he said, I couldn't have written this up better for you myself. And he added one or two other pieces, one or two other supplements. That was evidence that I had followed peace and God had been directing me and showing me. So what I'm saying, and I've seen so many of you do this. I've seen so many of you when you're que asking questions, should I do this treatment or should I not do this treatment? Should I seek this avenue or should I not seek that avenue? We recommend you to go to God and to seek peace. To seek peace and follow peace. And if you have unrest, if it doesn't feel right, stop. Reverse directions. Don't go there. Pray through it. My friend, I remember, really helped me to know how to pray to seek that peace. And this is what her wisdom was for me, and I'm going to share it with you. She said, Cindy, go home and take the situation to God and pray in tongues. 
I'm going to talk more about the Holy Spirit in January. We're going to be talking about the amazing Holy Spirit and being full and filled with the Holy Spirit. But I was filled with the Holy Spirit early on in my walk. And she said, take your, your, take your questions to God. Literally go with him and say, okay, God, I don't know. This is my question. I'm not sure where to go. And pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. And then seek peace and follow it. I remember at one point I had three directions, one of three directions to go. And I took each of those three directions before God, one at a time. And I prayed in tongues. I only had peace with one of the three. And that's what I decided to do. So if there is confusion, if there's confusion in decision-making or confusion in what direction to go with the medical realm or with your health or with your diet or anything like that, go to God. Let him lead. The second, the second area of confusion that I want to talk about, that was the first area. Confusion in the natural realm, like what do I do in, with, my, with my medical situation? The second one is confusion in the spiritual realm. And I want you to think about this. I think it's very, very important that you look at the different facets of your life and you take an inventory. So you look at the different areas of your life, your work life, your family, the church that you worship at, if you, if you go to a church, maybe support groups that you're a part of, what you're reading, what you're viewing, what you're watching or listening to. And then ask yourself this question. Do they all agree with God's word? Do they agree with how I see Jesus? Do they agree Jesus is the one that shows us the heart of the Father when he healed all? So do all of these areas of my life agree with the gospel, with the good news of Jesus? And then if they don't, how can you resist the confusion? Or better yet, how can you remove yourself from it? I'm just going to give a little commercial now for a teaching that's out there on our website that goes right to this question. And the name of the teaching is um, surround yourself with faith builders, not faith killers. Surround yourself with faith builders and not faith killers. Tom taught this message a couple summers ago, and then I taught it as well. Um, and they're two different teachings, same title, same general topic, but two very different but very rich teachings. So you can go find two teachings on this topic. But I want to share with you that this has been really hard for me. This whole area of, of having every part of my life in agreement was not an not easy journey. I believe I'm almost there. Not 100%, but I'm almost there in my life. But back 15 years ago, I wasn't there at all. Because I, the church that I was attending was not in agreement with the word in the area of healing. They didn't believe it was always God's will to heal. They believed that God could heal, 
but it might not be his will. I had never seen a miracle. When I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, I had never seen a miracle. They never prayed for the sick in my church. So that wasn't in agreement with what I was learning. So let me just address that piece first. What happened with me in that season of my life was I, it was a very gradual change. It didn't happen overnight. I wasn't able to step out of one um, denomination and into a, a new, um, I am not in a denomination now, but not into this, this total heart belief with a church that agreed that, it's, that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is my redeemer and Jesus is my healer. And I received eternal life the moment I received him as my, as my savior. I didn't know any of that. And I wasn't ready to step from one realm into another overnight. So it happened gradually. And I let God lead. I didn't push ahead. I let him lead. And he did. He did. He led me into a place where I was able to walk um, very gradually and change from the denominational background to a believing believer attending a church that was in complete agreement with the word of God. But that didn't happen overnight. And I, it was very easy the way that God did it. So that was one area. The other area of my life where it's been really difficult for me is with my family. And many of you have the same, same problem. Um, my immediate family is 100% supportive. So Kent and I, you know, we are in complete agreement. Our children, although they're not walking the walk that we're walking, are very respectful of us. And they, are, um, they honor us. And they never debate or argue. I don't think that they disagree with us. I just don't see them walking in the fullness of the gospel that Kent and I are walking in, two of the three of our children. So, but that's easy. Our, our immediate family is easy. It's the extended family on my side that's more difficult because they don't agree. Um, and it's hard. So in my family... When we're with my family, I'm not able to freely be who I am. It's really hard. Um, if I am open with who I am, one of two things happens. Either I feel like I'm hurting my family because they don't agree with me, or I, I feel hurt or wounded because they're not rejoicing in our lives and they're not accepting of what can't I do? So it's hard. So that's one of those things we have learned to um, do the best that we can and just being love, just being loving the best that we can. So um, that's, I wanted, I wanted to give you one example of how I um, walked through a situation where I was having a physical battle. This is years later. And how I dealt with that with my family, who isn't a believing, believing, believing believers family. It was about uh, 2010, and I was having another um, issue. I had a lump in my neck, and I ended up having to have a thyroidectomy. And um, they were looking, they were concerned that there may be cancer, and I went through a series of tests. Now, that whole time that I was going through that, it was few months long by the time I had tests and went to doctors and I had all that. 
during that whole time, I never shared any of it with my extended family on my side. That's how I chose to deal with it. I just didn't talk about it. I was, I had believing believers that I was surrounded with. I had my precious promises that I was feeding on and allowing it to build me up and help me through. I had a mentor. I, I was doing everything I knew would build me up. Remember, separate yourself from faith killers and connect yourself with faith builders. And that's exactly what I was doing. But before I had the surgery, I knew I needed to talk to my family. You can't just, you know, have your neck slit and not tell your family. So I made four phone calls. I have a family. I just counted it. I have to count every little while. I have 50 people in my immediate family from my mom and dad on. I have a huge family. I only made four phone calls. I called my mom and my dad, and I called each of my three siblings. And I gave them very minimal information. I shared with them a little bit about the surgery I was going to have. And I said, I know, I'm believing, I'm praying, seeking God, and believing that everything is going to go very well, and I'm going to have supernatural recovery. And I said, this is how you can pray for me. And that's, you know, I shared how I was praying, and I asked them to pray in agreement, to pray the same way. And then I asked them not to talk about it. Because my family has a tendency to talk about maybe worst-case scenarios instead of best-case. So I said, please, just don't talk about it. You can pray, but please don't talk about it. And they honored me. I know they honored me because all of those other 50 people didn't even know about it until after I, it was done and I had a great report. Then the family knew about it. But that's how I chose to talk to my family. I was very careful. I was very cautious. That's a really good question for you to come to our ministry team about. If you aren't sure how to talk to your husband, if you aren't sure how to talk to your parents or your children, if maybe there isn't agreement, come to us and we will walk with that with you. We'll help you. We'll pray with you. We'll give you is the best guidance we can give you. So confusion in the spiritual realm can be a big deal. Okay, we're going to switch gears now. We're going to switch gears. I'm going to talk a little bit about strife. James 3.16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Wow. We were just talking about confusion. God isn't the author of confusion, but of peace. This scripture says, where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. We're going back to see the, the serpent thing, the enemy thing. He's the one that does evil work, not God. So where strife is, it can lead to confusion and the enemy's destruction. I'm going to define strife. Exertion or contention or struggle for superiority. We see that in the political arena right now. My way, my view is the right view. And there's no gray. I mean, I'm not talking about Cindy. I'm talking about what we hear out there. The, the liberal um, population says, my way is the right way. The conservative population says, my way is the right way. And for any kind of compromise or seeing every, each other's, I don't know, thoughts or processes, it doesn't happen. 
There's this great divide. Exertion or contention or struggle for superiority, no matter what. That's strife. Strife is contention and anger or enmity. Having an enemy or ill will towards another. Strife is opposition or contrariety. Proverbs 17:14 says, "The beginning of strife is like letting out water as from a small break in a dam. First it trickles and then it gushes. Therefore abandon the quarrel before it breaks out and tempers explode." Whoa. So it start it can start very little bit and then get bigger and bigger until there's an explosion of strife. Now, what God says and I found there's so many scriptures that say this. But God says to pursue peace. To pursue peace. I want to define both of those words. The word pursue is not a passive word. The word pursue means to follow, to chase, to go after in haste with a view to overtake. So God says to pursue peace, to go after it, to run after it, to follow it, to chase it. Not to just sit back and say, okay, God, send me your peace. He says to pursue it. And that word peace is the word shalom. Pursue peace. Pursue tranquility and contentment of God. Pursue his completeness in your heart, in your spirit and soul and body. Pursue wholeness. That's shalom. Pursue wholeness. Pursue health. Pursue nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. Pursue having all your needs met. Pursue the fullness of God in your life. That's peace. That's shalom. Isaiah 53b, 53.5, the second part, B, <laughs> this is good news, says that the chastisement for our peace was upon him. This is a prophetic word about Jesus. This is the gospel, the good news, the too good to be true, too good to be true news. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The word chastisement means the price, the penalty. For our peace, for our shalom. And I define shalom, it's on your paper. Nothing missing, nothing broken, completeness, wholeness, health, having all your needs met, tranquility, contentment. The price for our peace was upon Jesus. When we talk about the divine exchange that Jesus paid for at Calvary, there's, it, it, it's just so immense. We talk about the truth that he took our sin and exchanged our sin for his righteousness. We talk about the, the truth that the word tells us that he took our sickness, our disease, and our pain and he gave us healing, he gave us health, he gave us wholeness. We talk about the scriptural truth that he took our weakness and gave us his strength. And this scripture says that he took, he, he paid the price for our peace. So what's the opposite of peace? 
confusion, strife. Next week, we're going to talk about stress, and there's a whole bunch of other things. He took that, that tumult. He took that, that agitation, that frustration. He took all of that, and he paid for it, and he exchanged it for his peace, his peace, his shalom. John 14, 27, Jesus said, this is, this is in the, the chapter that, there's, there's five chapters, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 in the Gospel of John, where it's the Last Supper. It's the, the upper room time that he had the day before he went to the cross. And this is in the middle of that. And Jesus is talking to his apostles, and he said, peace I leave with you. We're talking about the peace. He was getting ready to pay the ultimate price for our peace. And he said, okay, guys, this is my will. This is my will for you. He says, peace I leave with you, my own peace, my own peace, Jesus' peace, I now give and bequeath to you. That word bequeath means in its inheritance. It's his will for us. He was going to purchase our peace. And he's saying, okay, this is going to be yours, guys. This is for you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. Stop allowing strife in your home, in your marriage, at the workplace. Do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. We have a choice. We have his peace or we can have strife. He says, choose peace. Don't do it the world's way. You're not, you might live in the world, but you're not of the world. So Psalm 34, verse 14, the word says, depart from evil. Remember, we're talking about the enemy's plan. Depart from strife. Depart from confusion and do good. And this is how we do good. Seek inquire for, and crave peace, and pursue, go after it. Go after peace. Pursue it. 1 Peter 3, verses 10 and 11. This is from the Passion Translation. For the scripture tells us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words. And never deceive in what they say. Always turn from what's wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship. Making it your prize. Wow. So God says, the word says, to stop speaking evil, hurtful words. To cultivate what is good. To eagerly pursue peace in every relationship. Remember that word pursue is an active word. It's not passive. It's active. So, good news. I've already given you two parts of it. I'm going to speak them over and then I'm going to give you a third. Here's the good news. We don't have to do this on our own. Jesus purchased our peace. That's number one. It's done. It is finished. Number two, he bequeathed it to us. He paid the price, and then he gave it to us. 
It's ours. It's our inheritance. And number three, we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit of divine love that we have within us. In Galatians, this is the last scripture that's on your page. I'm gonna, it's long, so I didn't put it all on there, but you can look it up in your own Bibles. This is the, the, the set of scriptures that talks about our choice. We have the fruit of the Spirit in us. We have the full measure. This is a new revelation to me. We don't have, I used to say we have seeds and we need to cultivate them so they can become mature fruits. That's not true. We have the whole deal. <laughs> we have the fullness of each and every fruit. The problem is if we don't know it, if we don't believe it, then we don't receive the benefits. Just like if we don't know the fullness of truth about healing, we don't receive the benefits. The same thing with all of the fruits of the Spirit. We have the full measure of the fruit. God did not say he gives us the seed of the Spirit. He said he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. So this set of scriptures delineates and shows us the world's way and God's way. And so my, my suggestion is we have a choice. We can choose the fruits of the flesh. We can choose confusion and strife. We can, be, we can do it the world's way or we can do it God's way. We can live in peace. We can pursue peace. We can do it amidst the busyness of the Christmas season. We can do it. And next week, I'm going to teach a very practical teaching on how to de-stress your life according to the word. It's, it's, it's powerful. I live that way. We can. But today, I want to just focus on this. So we're going to look at the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit and what God's word says about it. And then we're going to pray. And we're going to just release yuck that we may have held on to. And, and, and I am with you. I'm with you in this. I'm going to say, okay, God, I want to do it your way. I'm pursuing peace. So I'm going to read the scripture and then we're going to pray. This is Galatians chapter 5, verses 17 through 23. And I'm just going to, before I read it, I'm just going to list the fruits of the spirit that God has placed in us. We have love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. That's in you. Might not see it. You might not feel it, but it's there. Okay, let's read the word. This is from the Passion Translation. You can always look this this translation up on um, the internet if you want to. It's not on Bible Gateway yet, but if this, is, this translation is really heartwarming, beautiful. So just close your eyes because you're not going to be able to read this in your own Bible. It'll, it's, it's very much a heart-level translation, so it's not going to sound like what's in your traditional Bible. The Holy Spirit is the only one who defeats the cravings of your natural life. So then, the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, 
you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. Think about the eagle. Think about the eagle soaring above everything. That's who we're created to be, to soar above the world's way, to soar above the issues of life, to live differently than the world lives. And then this, this Paul shares what they both look like. He paints a really good picture of what it looks like to live in the world, the world's way, to conform to the world, and what it looks like to be transformed into that new creature who God says that we are. And if God says it, that's who we are. And what are the cravings of the self-life I'm referring to? Well, they're obvious. Now, before I read the list, this is a partial list, I'm sure, but it's pretty disturbing when you read it. But the part I want you to pay attention to, it's underlined on the screen, are the things that really point to strife, contention, factions, superiority, debating. So here's the list. The cravings of the self-life. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, Temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Paul says, haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? Now, before I go on, I just want to talk about that for a second. That doesn't mean that, that you're not going to go to heaven. That doesn't mean that you're not going to, if you're a born-again child of God, that doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, even in the midst of all that sin, because sin has been eliminated. But what it does mean is you're not going to live in the realm of heaven on earth, here on earth. God wants us not to just be out of the... The, I always get these mixed up. What's the one when you're in debt, red or black? Red, right? God doesn't want you to just be out of the red. He paid the debt for us. The debt's been paid. But he doesn't want us to just be out of debt. He wants us to be in the black. He wants us to inherit the full life that Jesus came to give us. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us a life and an overflowing life, right? So it doesn't mean that you don't inherit heaven, but it does mean you're not going to inherit the blessings. It means that you're not living in the fullness of what God had and that you're not able to, to allow heaven to be in you and flow out of you in that kind of a lifestyle. But listen to this. Then the next word is but. <laughs> I love it. when God puts the word but in there because this is the other side of the story. But... The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit. We have freedom, guys. And if you're living that other side of this scripture, you're holding yourself in bondage when you've been made free. 
We live in the freedom of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit within us is divine love. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within us is divine love in all its various expressions. This love, this love, God is love. And God's in us. So we are love. As he is, so are we in this world. This love is revealed through joy that overflows, peace that subdues. I'm going to read the rest of it, but peace that subdues. Peace that subdues stress. Peace that subdues strife. Strife has to bow to peace. Peace that subdues confusion. Peace that subdues the bait of the enemy. Peace that subdues the, the propensity for offense and woundedness and hurt and trauma. Peace that subdues. That's good news. That's in us. So this love is revealed through joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, which is goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit that is self-control. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Isn't that good? The fruit that God has placed in us is limitless. Ooh, we just need to meditate on that one. So what I'm going to do now, can't, you can get some music ready, just some prayer music. What I want to do now is I want to take action. I want to take action. We're talking about distractions and doing it God's way instead of the world's way. So I want to take action. I carry the kingdom of God, and so do you. The kingdom of God is in us. The kingdom of realm resides in us and flows through us because Christ is in us. So what I want to do is I want to use that kingdom that's in me and release it. And I want you to do the same thing. I'm going to pray a repeat-after-me prayer. So I'm going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me. And what we're going to do is we're going to take authority over your life, especially confusion and strife. Now, if you have no confusion or strife, God bless you. <laughs> but if there's any area of confusion or strife in your life, we're going to take authority over it, and we're going to release the peace of God that passes all understanding. We're going to settle in that place of the truth of the word that we just read, that peace subdues. And we're just going to let God's word just rise up in us over confusion, over strife. We're going to say no to those things and we're going to say yes to God. So I want you to repeat this after me. First, I'm just going to open with prayer. Father, we come before you right now and we position ourselves 
with our face seeking your face, face to face, heart to heart, knowing that you have invited us to freely, freely come before your throne of grace, to know your grace intimately, to receive your mercy, and to always be there when we are in need. You're always there to help us, and we thank you for that. So, Father, we come to you right now wanting to be in agreement with you and not with the enemy. So right now, we are going to speak out with authority what you have given us. We are using our authority and the power that you have commissioned to us as believers to break off any works of darkness and to fall out of agreement with the lies of the enemy. So now I want you to repeat after me. Say, I cast off the spirit of confusion and of strife. I will no longer partner with them. I break all ties with the spirit of confusion and with strife that has dominated my life. I break the assignment that the spirit of confusion and strife has had over my life. I command confusion and strife to remove your foothold from my life and leave me now in the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood. I claim back all ground and authority that the enemy has stolen from me. And I receive the inheritance of peace that Jesus bequeathed unto me. Okay. Now I am going to pray that same scripture about the fruits of the Spirit. And I want you to repeat this as well and receive it into your heart. Father, I pray right now that as we declare this word, your word, that it doesn't just go into our heads, but we allow it to come into our very heart. So just repeat after me. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit that's in me is divine love in all its various expressions. I cultivate these in my heart and in my life. I cultivate joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue and goodness. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. 
and strength of self-control in every facet of my life. Thank you for your gifts, Jesus. I receive them. Amen. So be it. Amen. Isn't that good? Mm -hmm. So as you're walking through this season, this holiday season, just keep in mind that if you're sensing confusion or strife in your home, turn away. Turn the other way. Pursue peace. Go to the Word. I've given you a lot of scriptures today about peace, about God's will for you. Start meditating on what the Word says. God doesn't want us to conform to the world's way. He's got a much better way.